Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The Gospel lesson says that there was a poor man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And I know that I'll oftentimes tell you here from the pulpit that the Greek text says something different, or that there's some nuance here to the word, but today the ESV translation has it right. It translates this well. The man was deaf, but he was not mute. He had a speech impediment, which gives us insight into the man's condition and tells us about what he's going through. The man was not entirely deaf. He can hear, but he couldn't hear clearly is the difference. He can hear enough to know that somebody's talking. He could know that, but not enough to know what they're saying. So he hears noises and sounds, but they don't make any sense to him. And this explains why he had a speech impediment, because he's simply repeating back the muffled noises that his ears are taking in. He thinks he's saying something, but it makes no sense. He can't speak clearly because he can't hear clearly. And this is an incredibly confusing and frustrating position to be in. Uh, In fact, you probably know a glimpse of this frustration even today. Uh, For example, if you're talking to someone on the phone and that phone keeps cutting in and out and you hear the person talking but you can't make sense out of what they're saying, you're getting bits and pieces here and there, it makes no sense and it's incredibly annoying. It's incredibly irritating when that happens. That is what that man is going through his entire life, all the time. He was a burden on everybody. He couldn't communicate. He couldn't explain how he felt. He couldn't understand other people's feelings. He couldn't discuss things or learn things. He couldn't joke around with people. He couldn't understand any jokes. He couldn't sing. He couldn't hear people singing. And he was around people and yet he was entirely alone. And even if there was someone else suffering in the same exact way that he uh, was suffering, he couldn't talk to them about it. They couldn't commiserate together. They They were in this lonely place in this way. So this man is a poor, is a poor man who is in a, in a deep and miserable condition. And even worse, worse than all of these things previously said, is that he didn't know Jesus. And we know he didn't know Jesus because, and I'm not speculating on this, we know because he didn't know about Jesus because he didn't go to Jesus. It was his friends who brought him to Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was or what he did or what he said. By the way, this means that they were good friends to him because they brought their friend to Jesus. And that is a very, very good thing. In fact, that is the best thing a friend could do. Uh, That is the best thing a spouse could do, or a husband, a wife, or children, or friends, uh, is you bring them to the Lord, to Christ himself. Well, then Jesus sees him, and he was gracious, and he had compassion upon him. He was merciful. He was willing to help this poor man. And Jesus gave this man special attention. Even though he didn't know anything about him, he gave him special attention. And the scripture says he pulled him aside from the crowd, apart from it, privately, And dealt with him individually in that way. And then what happens next is very odd. It seems incredibly strange. 
the scripture says he puts, this is Jesus, he puts his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue and looking up to heaven, he sighed. And at first glance, this seems like it's a superstitious ceremony or some weird like voodoo ritual that he's about to perform or he is performing, but it's not. This is simply Jesus' way of communicating with that deaf man and telling him what he's going to do before he actually does it. He, it. It's sort of an improvised sign language that he makes up just to communicate with this man. So he puts his fingers into his ears to tell and point to him that this is the part of your body that I'm going to heal. I'm going to open your ears. And he spits and touches the man's tongue to say, I'm going to loosen your tongue so that your, your tongue will move again and you'll be able to speak. And then he looks up to heaven and he sighs. That is, he's telling the man where the power to do this is coming from, from heaven itself, from the Lord himself. Up until now, the reason I'm saying this is up until now, nothing has happened. The man is in the same exact condition when he touched his tongue, when he put his fingers in his ears, all of these things. The man wasn't healed. Had Jesus walked away at that moment, the man would have remained in uh, uh, um, death and with a speech impediment. So the healing was not in the motions or the movement. It, it's in what follows. Jesus then says to the deaf man, Ephatha, which is Aramaic for be opened. And then, because of the word, the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. Now, Jesus did a lot of miracles in his earthly life, and his miracles prove his divinity. They also prove his love for us poor, miserable sinners. But that's not all they do. They also give us confidence to trust that what he can do for the body, he can also do for the soul. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says these words. He says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Instead, fear the one, that is God himself, who can destroy both body and soul in hell. In other words, what the Lord can do for the body, what we see him do for the body, he can also do for the soul, which is in a worse condition than this man was in. So if somebody is blind and the Lord can make him see, then he can make somebody who is blind to the truth see the truth. And if somebody is paralyzed and the Lord can make him stand up again, then he can also raise up a paralyzed and lifeless soul that can make no move to God. And if someone is deaf so that he can't hear and dumb so he can't speak, Jesus speaks and that man will hear and speak. In fact, this is why the gospel lesson and the epistle lesson are what they are today. The gospel tells us about Jesus healing a physical deafness. And the epistle teaches us how the Lord heals spiritual deafness. The man's hearing came by the word of Christ. And every Christian's faith or hearing of the word comes by hearing the word of Christ. And so too, if someone is without God and without hope in this world, 
If someone is spiritually dead in his sins, Jesus can raise his soul from the dead just as he raised Lazarus' dead corpse from the grave. Jesus can make someone who has ignored God his entire life finally hear him, finally listen to him, and finally pay attention to his words. And the reason I'm saying this is to remind you that this is what God did to you, to all of you here today. In fact, this is why you're in church right now. This is why you're a Christian. You are not a Christian because you are smarter than others, or you are more intelligent, or by nature more pious, or that you are in a better position to be saved than any others. You are a Christian because Jesus spoke faith into your heart, a faith that was not there. He spoke it into your heart and generated that faith, caused you to believe. You are a Christian because Jesus spoke into your cold and lifeless soul, and he spoke his word into your deaf and mute and dead soul. At one time in your life, you didn't listen to God's word or pay attention to it. And now you do. And that is the Lord's work. You need to remember this for two reasons. The first reason is this. You were once in the same spiritual deafness that unbelievers are in right now, presently, currently. Many people, many, many people in this world are spiritually deaf. That That is our natural condition. Spiritual deafness means that you can understand things like math and you can understand things like science and language and philosophy and politics. You can understand all these things. But they cannot understand the Word of God. They can't make sense of it. They can't understand the Bible. It's not that they can't comprehend the words that are said. It's that they don't understand what it means at all. They don't understand why it matters or what the point of it is. It, it just completely confounds them. And you know this because if you, when, whenever you tell somebody the Word of God, someone who is an unbeliever, they repeat it back in some distorted version of what you just said. For instance, take the immense joy and comfort of holy baptism. There's nothing more comforting in the world than this. You open up the Bible, you talk to a friend about this, you open up the Bible, you read the actual words to them, and you say, look, 1 Peter 3 says, baptism now saves you. So clearly and plainly, Acts chapter 2 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and for your children. Mark chapter 16, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And you say this to your friend, and your friend just looks at you and says, Well, right, yeah, baptism is an act of our obedience. And it's an outward sign of an inward reality. And you say, no, look at what the Bible says. Look at at what it clearly, literally is saying, what it actually says, obviously, here. It literally says it gives you salvation and forgiveness and that the Lord washes away your sins through this very thing. And he says, Right, like I said, it's an act of our obedience. It's a sign of my commitment to the Lord. 
And then no matter how clearly you say it, he just won't understand it. Or a wife tells her husband that he needs to come to church with her. The place where Jesus is, the place where he promised to give us forgiveness and life and salvation, the, promise, uh, the, the, the place where he promises to restore our strength and our faith and give us life everlasting. And she says this to him in such beautiful words, and her husband says, yeah, but I don't really need to go to church because I can just stay at home and read my Bible, and that's fine. And she says, but the Bible you're reading tells you to go to church. It actually says, don't forget, don't neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. And then he says, yeah, I I just don't get it. I don't see the point of going. You tell a Christian that the Lord himself created this world in six days, as the Bible clearly says. And he says, that doesn't make sense. And then you say, look, Bear with me, we're talking about God, the one who can do all things, the one for whom nothing is impossible, who speaks and it happens. And then he says, yeah, I just don't see how he could have done it. You tell someone what God says about marriage, how it is a sin to live together before marriage, how marriage is the lifelong union between one man and one woman until death parts them according to God's holy will. And the person says, show me in the Bible. And then you open the Bible and you show them verse after verse of what the scriptures say against adultery and promiscuity and divorce and perversity and so on. And the person just says, I don't see it. I don't see what you're saying. I don't, see what, I don't know what that means. I'm, I myself have pleaded with people with tears in my eyes to listen to what God's word says, to repent of their sins, to forgive others, to reconcile with one another. And it's like talking to a brick wall and there's nothing. And then I say, this is what God's word says to you, to all people. And they say, well, this person said this and this person did that. And then they convince themselves that they can remain unreconciled, holding a grudge in their heart with their own brother and yet come to church like it were nothing. Praying the words of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Meanwhile, they won't forgive those who trespass against them. In all of these examples, what's happening is that we're talking to people whose sin and unbelief prevents them from actually hearing the Word of God. Until the word of God pierces through their ears and into their hearts, nothing will change. Nothing. By the way, just a word on this. Since this is their condition, and I know that you know many people in your life who are in in this condition. Since this is their condition, be patient with them. Because God was patient with you. Don't give up. Be persistent and keep speaking the word and pray for them. So that's the first thing I'm telling you. And the the first reason I'm telling you this, that many live in the spiritual deafness right now. Not you. You were saved from it. The Lord saved you. This is why you hear the word of God right now and are understanding it. And why someone who doesn't, doesn't. 
But at the same time, this is also a warning to you. Because God saved you from your spiritual deafness. And that means that there's a danger that what? You can fall back into that spiritual deafness. That's my second reason here. We were born with ears closed to God's word, tongues that don't confess his word rightly. And if you stay away from the church, you will regress. You will go back to your original state, even worse. Jesus opened your ears, but the danger is that you can clog your ears again and cover them, your heart and your mind, with so many other things that you don't understand his word anymore. I've seen it myself and in other people. I've seen it in myself and in other people. I've seen people go from gladly hearing the word of God and holding it sacred and learning it, excited to come to church, hanging on every word that is said, to then falling away and not caring about what's said, not even paying attention. And I've, I've talked to some, of, some people in this situation and told them, look, Jesus They say, well, this is what's going on in my life. And then I say, Jesus has made full satisfaction for all of your sins. He has made full atonement for you by pouring out all of his blood in his body on the cross for you, for your sake, with you in mind. And there's nothing you have to do to earn salvation that the precious wounds of Jesus save you from death and hell forever. Christ endured deep, deep injuries to save you. And he has promised that he will dry every one of your tears from your eyes when he raises you from the grave. And in response, they've said something like, well, so what? That doesn't help me. That doesn't change my situation. That, that does nothing for me. Those are just words. That is the worst place to be in as a person. If the clear and plain preaching of Christ and him crucified and the promise of his salvation does not move your heart, then you are in a very, very bad place. And honestly, this may be one of you here today. It may be one of you here right now. Maybe you don't see the point of this anymore. And maybe you can't understand why coming to church even matters. And maybe you can't even hear the joy of salvation anymore. That you hear the words of the cross and Christ crucified, and it doesn't bring any joy in your heart. And maybe it's because your sin, or your worries, and anxieties, and troubles, or your heartache, or your grudges, or your distractions, your addictions, your loneliness, or your anger is stopping you from understanding what God's word really means and how joyful it is. Maybe you're in this situation right now. Maybe you will be in this situation in a few days or months. I don't know. But when you are in this condition, what do you do? What happens next? You do exactly what you have done here today. You come to church and you hear the word of God again. 
and you let God speak faith into your cold and lifeless heart, your closed ears, and your broken soul, and you don't wait to get out of your poor, miserable condition before you come to church. You simply get up and you come to church in your poor, miserable condition, and you see how God is gracious to you again and again and again. The one thing that will open your heart and your soul to, and ears to hear God's word is God's word itself. And this is because Jesus has come to heal you of your spiritual deafness. He has come to give you an understanding of what he's done for you. And this is the most beautiful part. This is the most beautiful thing. While you still couldn't understand what Jesus was doing, he was still doing it for you. While your ears were still closed, he was opening his mouth, saying how much he loves you and all that he went through for you. While you still didn't know you needed his forgiveness, Jesus was already covering you with it and robing you with his righteousness and opening his flesh and dying to save you. While you still didn't know that you needed a savior from your sin, Jesus was being your savior from sin. Before you could understand it, God took you up in his arms and washed away all of your sin in that font. Before you could understand it, Jesus told you how much he loved you and how not even the wrath of God or the shame of the cross would keep him from you. The great comfort of the gospel is that Jesus has spoken all of these words of comfort to you long before you could hear them, long before you could understand them, long before you could believe them. And the fact that you didn't hear or understand or believe his word before didn't dissuade him from saying it to you over and over again until that word finally pierced your stubborn and rock-hard heart and implanted itself in your soul. Dear saints, <clears throat> God, didn't, God did this to make you his own. And this is what God will do to keep you his own. He will continue to give you his word. And when the cares of this life distract you and keep you from understanding how God has solved every single one of your problems, all of your problems, whatever it is, whether you think it's the government, if it's a political thing, if it's financial, if it's health, if it's wealth, whatever it is, your failures, that God has solved all and every single one of your problems in this life through his blessed cross. When the things in this life keep you from understanding that, then you come to church and hear his word again, that that is true, that his cross will be the reason when all of these things end. It will be the reason for eternal joy and bliss. And when you don't understand his word, you come to the place where he gives you understanding and faith. And when your faith is growing cold, you come to the place where you hear the word of Christ and he will fill your soul with faith. He will speak to your closed ears once again, no matter how many times they close. He will speak his word and he will open them. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.
Amen.